Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Slightly favors the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. If Kenny McLean scores, they're off to Serbia for the playoff final. This is one monumental kick. It is Kenny McLean, and he's done it! If ever there was a time to seize the moment, that was it! And all of a sudden, a nation cheers, a nation believes it has gone Scotland's way after all, after a long, long night at Hampton Park. But then that is sometimes the way it has to be with Scotland. Is this our time? A week from now, less than a week from now, will Scotland officially have qualified for the European Championship. It's an incredible thought, a very appetising thought, but will we be left feeling hungry next Friday when it comes to success? We've got Ben Ramage and Gordon Shiak alongside me, Andy Barge, for what is a Hamden Road podcast that I've been waiting to do. Scotland are one game from glory. It's a very tough ask. Serbia away from home. They won't have the fans behind them, those intimidating crowd that they normally have. So, I'm feeling slightly more confident, but make no mistake, we go into this game as underdogs. Steve Clark named his squad earlier this week. It's looking strong. Gordon, Ben, talk to me about your feelings on it. 
Um, I, I'd been feeling quite decent, um, and then you used the word qualified, and I suddenly got quite a funny feeling in my stomach. Um, I th- maybe that's the nerves trying to kick in. Um, I'd hate to think how I'm going to feel this time next week, because we will be sitting here 30 minutes from kickoff as we record. Uh, I'm excited. I'm really, really excited. You know, this year has been the worst, so all will be forgiven, all will be forgotten if we can do it, if we can qualify. So, come on! <laughs> Benjamin? Yeah, it feels quite surreal. Uh, It feels like we've come quite far to be at this stage where we're literally 90 minutes away from qualifying. You know, we've actually waited our whole lives um, to be old enough to really, I think, appreciate it as sort of football fans, um, what it would mean to be at a major tournament instead of looking in from the outside. Um, And we've got a really good shot. We're obviously, like Gordon alluded, we're underdogs, but we've got every chance. And with Clark... And his system, I've, I really feel a lot more confident than I have in previous years, I would say. Well, there, it's, it's reached the point now where Clark even himself has admitted that he knows his best team on Sports Sound earlier this week. He said he knows if everyone remains fit, what he will play against Serbia. Gordon, you said in our little group chat that that is quite refreshing and pleasing to hear. Oh, 100%. I mean... It's been quite a while, probably you have to look back to the maybe the year under Gordon Strachan in 2017 that you would actually go into a match probably knowing exactly how the team would line up and who would play and how they would how they would go about it. I mean, Steve Clark has created a system that people were suspicious about when he started. We really weren't quite sure about Scott McTominay at centre-half. He stuck with it. And now what you see is a Scotland team that you're confident in how they're going to set up, how they're going to play, the players look confident in it. And I think what's been really impressive in those last three games last month is that the team changed. He brought in some different players and some some players shifted about, but they came in and still performed to the same level and still performed with the same confidence inside the system. That speaks to me as a group that knows from number one on the team sheet to number 23 exactly what they're supposed to do. Ben, as centre-back, the area with changes are most likely to be made, do you think? in this squad because I think Clark has a settled midfield three of Ryan Jack, Callum McGregor and John McGinn as his first choice and he seems to very much be on board the Lyndon Dykes hype train with Ryan Fraser just in behind buzzing around off him. So do you think that along the back five, maybe not even in the wing back positions but in centre back, that's where there's leeway for change? Yeah, I would say with Tierney coming back in, that's the real question mark for me is whether Tierney slots into that left-hand side like he has been for Arsenal. Um, he obviously, he was really played really well against Man United in that win um, recently. So he's obviously fit. Um, he's performing really well in the Premier League. It's very hard to leave someone of that quality out. And I think the other thing that Tierney has going for him is just his absolute dominance in finals and cup competitions. He's got just such an unbelievable record of winning, winning trophies, winning big games. And I think that could that will be so hard to not use for Clark. Um, so it'll be that'll be a really big call, I think. We have included an incredible amount of centre backs in this squad running through the group or in, in terms of a back three centre backs anyway. So Andrew Considine, Liam Cooper, Declan Gallagher, Scott McKenna. Grant Hanley, Kieran Tierney, that's six. And then Scott McTominay is listed as a midfielder, but is more likely to play 
in defence. So that's seven centre-back options to go into three places. How on earth is, is, is that necessary? And how on earth does Clark use all them to his advantage? Obviously, they don't all need to play. But over the three games, you probably will see most of them feature. But there's serious amount to pick from just for three in the Serbia match. Gordon? Yeah, you're right. There's certainly a lot of names, um, a lot of potential combinations you could go with. I think the way the way I look at it, I look at that back three. I think there's an only a conversation to be had about the left-sided centre back, and I'm absolutely agreeing with with Ben that I think it will be Kieran Tierney that will come in and take that position. He's been fantastic for Arsenal. The fans love him. He plays in effectively more or less the same system for Arsenal that Scotland are going to play where he's the left-sided centre-back on a three linking up with a left wing-back um, I think it'll be Gallagher, I think it'll be McTominay We do also have to bear in mind that we thought we knew what the squad looked like at the beginning of the last camp and then the night before we had three players pull out There's still an awful lot of football to happen between now and next week We've got games currently taking place right now in the Europa League We've got games at the weekend So... I wouldn't be surprised if there's going to be injuries, pullouts, who knows, COVID-related issues, touch wood. You know, things can change. So I think maybe Clark's just sort of hedging his bets there a little bit. Ben, Kieran Tierney spoke recently about linking up with Aubameyang at Arsenal. Now, he spoke about Aubameyang arcing his run towards the left side of the park and, and down the left channel, and it was Tierney's job to... to not quite play a long ball, but a measured long pass rather than a hopeless punt, but a measured long pass into the channel where Aubameyang was meant to be running because Arsenal's left wing-back was occupying the opposition's right-back. So there was a gap there for Aubameyang to run into and it was Tierney's job to play that ball. Do you think that that's something that we can draw on with the pace of Ryan Fraser? Absolutely. And the, the point you make there with that long pass, we saw Scott McTominay pick that same pass to really get effect in the last few games. So it would be really, you know, I think it would be actually quite a creative back three. You'd have Tierney playing that ball forward and McTominay can also play that ball forward. So, yeah, we're going to be camped in for a lot of this game. I think it is going to be really nervy. You know, these players these players understand the significance of this game, but that is such a brilliant out ball. If you have Fraser and Dykes to hit and you have two players in your back three that are quality footballers that can pick that kind of pass, that could really alleviate the pressure when we're under the cosh. You know, get Dykes, and Dykes is brilliant at holding the ball up. We assume it will be Dykes that plays. You know, I think that system will work, and there's enough there's enough numbers at the back to allow that to happen. I wasn't sure if that would maybe be too gung-ho, but I actually think Tierney's a solid enough defender to do that job, as well as bringing that quality going forward. You mentioned McTominay. Ben, Gordon, is he nailed on to play on the right side of the back three, do you feel? Yes, 100%. I, as, as I mentioned earlier, I think we were all pretty shocked when Steve Clark put him there. But as we said at the time, that he had no shortage of other proper centre-backs to play in that position. So it's obviously not really the being a centre-back part of the job that Clark was putting McTominay there for. It was what else he could bring to the side. And I think as McTominay's grown in confidence in that position... We've seen what he's bringing, and I think the games last month in the Nations League, you saw the way that McTominay was able to just take a few steps up, almost sit into a holding midfielder position, and then all of a sudden our midfield outnumbers whatever midfield the opposition have, and we can play around them. And I thought that he did that to absolute really good effect, as well as being pretty decent at the back as well, defensively. So, yeah, full confidence in McTominay. 
Ben, you are well-versed in all things Motherwell, given you covered them for quite a while in the Scottish Premiership and your old job uh, as sports journalist in the area. Is it quite wild, the prospect of a Motherwell centre-half keeping the Leeds United captain out of the Scotland team? I think on paper you would say yes, but when you look at the performances of Gallagher in the last few games, then it would actually be really harsh to drop him. I think he's played so well that he has really, he's one of those that he's really taken his chance at international level. Sometimes players don't look like they're quite comfortable at international level, but he has really thrived in it. And I think I would have confidence in him playing that centre-back role ahead of Cooper. I think they're both perfectly good options. But I think with the run and the confidence that Gallagher has, I would be trying to keep that as much as you can going into this game. You're saying it would be harsh to drop him, Gordon, though. Is there room for sentiment or sympathy in a situation like this where so much is on the line? Well, I, I wouldn't say it's anything to do with sentiment. I would say it's you see this the squad that Steve Clark has selected. He made next to no changes. He's spoken publicly about wanting to have a real settled side. And I've banged on on this podcast in the past about the success that countries similar to ourselves, such as Northern Ireland, have had by just playing the same 11 almost every single game and that you become a better international side by doing that. So I think we've seen the defence get better by playing together. So I see absolutely no reason to change that now, other than perhaps Tierney, but he has played with, the, with that set-up before. The, I, I see no reason to make changes. I think they, they get better by playing together. A word on the big two that have been recalled to the team in centre-back. Scott McKenna's back after missing the previous internationals and Grant Hanley is back two and a half years after his last Scotland appearance in 2018. Ben, Gordon, I'm not sure on your opinions on the big man. I remember hearing a story uh, a while ago um, through a friend of a friend that um, knew Han- or was his friends with Hanley when he was at Blackburn Rovers and when Steve Keane took over from Sam Allardyce, Sam Allardyce uh, was a big fan of Grant Hanley's and when Sam, Big Sam was sacked, Hanley was of the opinion, that's it, my career's done. All I, all I can do is just be a big wall and head the ball. And that's what Sam sees in me. If we if we get a manager in that's interested in playing any other way, I'm finished. So I think that if Grant Hanley playing for Scotland is just tasked with defending and nothing else, surely he's going to be some sort of aspect for us, Ben. Uh, sorry, not some sort of aspect, some sort of asset for us. Yeah, I think Hanley has always been that sort of no-nonsense centre-back that some people love and some people don't like. And he has, unfortunately, had the odd mistake in him. I'm a sort of, I'm a lapsed Newcastle fan, and I've watched him plenty. And he is a good, solid centre-back. You know, if it's winning headers and making big crunching tackles that you're after, then he can do that. The trouble with international level, I just think it's that step up. Um, the pace is just that bit quicker and it's you just get caught out of position you just have to be perfect almost every time and he's just not quite at that level I can understand the call-up because he has a lot of caps he has so many games in the Premier League and the Championship you know he's a solid dependable centre-back if as Gordon said you know Covid injuries there's plenty that can take players out of the squad he is a good option to have if if you needed it but I'm kind of hoping that we don't have to go down that road for such a big game. Would you expect to see him feature in the two subsequent matches, Gordon? 
Uh, very possibly, yeah. Look, uh, he's 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 a he's a good option to call on. I mean, I, I frankly, I, I couldn't believe he was only twenty eight years old. I mean, it feels like he's been twenty eight for about the last six or seven years. Um, but yeah, look, he's he's still playing at a good level. He's getting quite a, quite a few games for Norwich. I, th- I think when they were in the Premier League last season, I think he had a terrible time with injuries, and he was just getting back to fitness. And I'm pretty sure there was talk about him being included in the squad for the playoffs when they were supposed to be in March because he'd just gotten back fit. And then obviously COVID shut everything down. So, look, I'm delighted to have him back. Um, clearly, he's, he obviously wants to come back. So, more than happy to have him back. And with playing three three defenders in, in every game with three games in one week, I absolutely wouldn't be surprised to see him play one of them. I've not, actually che- I've not checked, but I wonder, he might actually be our most capped defender in the squad. If we're talking not- centre-halves, yes, he is. Andy, Andy Robertson uh, has 38, but Hanley is next on 29. Yeah, so, you know, that's a lot of experience to call on. Even just in the camp, maybe Clark thinks that he'll be a good calm head to keep around the boys that maybe haven't played as much. Yeah, I, th- so, I, th- I think, I think to be honest, I think, I think that's the reason, a big part of the reason why Craig Gordon's been called up. Because, you know, you look at the, the Scotland squad, Clark's called up, there's not a single player that doesn't have a cap. Every single person has been there before, they know what it's all about, they've been over the course, through campaigns, and as I think Ben, you mentioned earlier about just the mentality, it's going to be so important. The pressure is going to be so high. These are the guys you need to, when all, all those around you are losing their head, you need people to keep them. Is there still a question mark over the right wing back position, given how well we did in the last couple of games, keeping out Slovakia and the Czech Republic? Or does Stephen O'Donnell have the, the jersey ahead of Liam Palmer? I think we talked talked about them both they they've got different qualities i'd say palmer's better going forward o'donnell's maybe marginally better defensively but like we said about just keeping that consistency i think o'donnell is the safe option and looking at clark and the way he's picked i I would imagine that he's going to go with a safe option and o'donnell is dependable you know he's played in a lot of big games for scotland against russia against belgium serbia aren't actually at that level so we're hoping that all those experiences will They've, they've made him an international right-back, so I, w- I would imagine that O'Donnell will get the nod. Before we move on from the defence, let's back to Gallagher and Cooper for a moment. I know you both seem to be swaying towards that Gallagher's almost a shoe-in to start. And we'll touch more on Serbia shortly, but their main man up front is Mitrovic. 36 goals and 59 caps he will be no stranger to Liam Cooper, given that they shared an English Championship season against each other and now both in the Premier League as well. Do you think that may come into Clark's thinking, Gordon, that Liam Cooper perhaps knows and is more familiar with uh, with Alexander Mitrovic than Gallagher? Eh, it certainly could do, but, you know, in the squad now, you know, with all the facilities they've got at Orium in, in training and preparation, I mean, the squad will be very, very well briefed. They'll have their their video analysis sessions, they'll know exactly what they're looking at. I mean, look, Mitrovic is obviously a very, very good striker. You know, he's shown that in the English Championship. He's scored goals in the English Premier League. And you're right, his record at international level is enviable. I mean, look, if you cut a little bit beneath the surface, I mean, he has certainly padded padded his record <laughs> at international level. I mean, I'm looking at there's a lot of goals against your the Luxembourgs, the Lithuanias, the Moldovas of international football. And look, they're there to be played against, they're there to be scored against, and he's done that. But maybe I'm just trying to make myself feel better. But <laughs> yeah, he's a worry. He's definitely a worry. 
I'm sure somebody else looking at his international record would would yes, he certainly padded out his his international goal tally with goals against your Scotland's. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It's it's certainly an interesting topic now, the centre-back position, from really having not many to choose from. The change of shape and the people included now makes it a genuine genuine talking point. Um, I think that McTominay somehow has has become one of those that will start at centre-back. And then it is really interesting to see who will be chosen, I believe, out of Cooper and Gallagher. And then... Tierney should come back in on the left side. It's a shame for Andy Considine, but as I alluded to you, Ben, just a few minutes ago, it's not the time for um, pats on the back and and sympathy. Um, Tierney's the better defender and will probably play ahead of Considine. Yeah, I imagine that Tierney would have played the last games if he had been available. You have to pick your best players, and Tierney is one that you know, his age as well, he could genuinely go on to be world class. And you just, you can't leave that sort of talent on the bench, just as you say, to, because somebody else got, got us through to the final. Absolutely. Let's move on to the striker situation. I think that Lyndon Dykes will start the game. Ryan Fraser will probably be picked to work alongside him or potentially Ryan Christie. I've seen that uh, suggestion mooted a few times. Lee Griffiths is back in the squad. There is certainly a place for Lee Griffiths to do a job for Scotland when called upon and coming off the bench should we need someone that can pick a goal out of nothing. You look at the goal he scored for Celtic against Aberdeen a couple of weeks ago, the goal that he scored for Scotland against Slovenia a few years ago. How pleased are you, Gordon, that Lee Griffiths is back involved? Oh, absolutely delighted. Absolutely delighted to see him back. I mean, I think he's undoubtedly the best natural finisher that Scotland have been able to field in a number of years. Um, but again, we go back to the, the what we're talking about, about the consistency of selection. And Steve Clark has been absolutely clear on this, that Lee Griffiths is joining the squad, but he will start from the bench. And again, that, that gives me confidence. It shows that there's a plan, there's a consistency of selection, and that we're not scrabbling about for a hero here or a hero there. And you're absolutely right that I think the role that Griffiths will play can absolutely be super sub that scores a very, very important goal because that's exactly what he's been doing for Celtic. So he can certainly do it for us. Ben, are you happy with Lee Griffiths starting on the bench or would you rather see him start alongside Lyndon Dykes? No, I think I think Dykes offers just that little bit more in terms of presence up front. If we're going to play with one up front, I just feel like he holds the ball up really well. He's really clever with his heading as well. I just he's going to help the ball stick when we're really under under the pressure. Um, I think, as we've said, you know Griffiths off the bench. He's just he's he has he seems to have his pace back, which is brilliant. Um, and his finishing, like we say, it's so instinctive. I think if it's if it's nil nil, even if we're one nil down, he could be a really brilliant game changer to come on off the bench. Um, come on off the bench, sorry. And we've seen him score against Slovenia, seen him score against England. He can do it in the big games when it really matters. He's got that mentality um, from his Celtic career. Um, again, he's, it's great to have him available, which wasn't maybe wasn't guaranteed halfway through this year. Is there a debate to be had about whether Lee Griffiths could play alongside Lyndon Dykes instead of Ryan Fraser uh, or Ryan Christie? Because... Whoever has played alongside him will probably have to do the job of working off him and getting in behind, as we mentioned with 
with uh, Ryan Fraser linking up with Tierney from distance, for example. So what about that, Gordon? Do you think that at any point over the next three internationals we'll see the two of them paired together, Griffiths and Dykes? Um, certainly in, in one of the two Nations League games following the playoff final, I think that could certainly be an option that he goes for. For the playoff final, no chance for me at all. I think the the combination play, the relationship that's clearly been building between Dykes and Fraser was a revelation for us in the last two games. I think the the wild card option that Ryan Fraser gives us in terms of if you're a defender for the opposition, you don't know where he's coming from because he's not a right winger, he's not a left winger, he's given this free role in the middle that he can just make runs wherever he wants, wherever the space is. So for me, that makes him so difficult to defend against and he's got the pace to run back and forth side to side. So yeah, I think Ryan Fraser 100% starts. Um, for the other two games, yeah, certainly Griffiths can, can certainly come in and play alongside Dykes for sure. Let's just touch on the midfield quickly. Not much to be said there. I think that Clark's preferred three is McGregor and Jack playing behind John McGinn. There, I don't think there's too much debate there, fellas. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah I haven't been overly impressed with Ryan Jack, but I get the need that we really do need a holding midfielder that allows McGinn to press up. So for me, the system works. And, you know, Rangers have been brilliant so far this season. So... I've got no problem with him playing um, and McGregor similar. Um, he's been been really really good this season. Um, lot plenty of big game experience as well. Let's put our Serbian football knowledge to the test briefly and have a look at their squad. Now the obvious thing that's jumping out to me when I'm looking at their midfield is that it it's probably on a similar level to us in terms of experience they've got a few with quite a few caps um Tadic is listed in, in midfield he's more in my mind anyway more of an attacker but you have Luka Milivojevic and Philippe Kostic who are in, into the 30s but after that most of the players including Milinkovic, Savic and, and Lazovic they're they're in the teens in terms of caps does that suggest maybe that Serbia are still a team in transition or a team in progress that is maybe a, not a bad time to be getting them I would certainly rather be playing that sort of midfield than one that we have seen in the past where they've got 60, 70 caps because this is such a big game and they can play it down. I've seen a few um, quotes coming out of their camp saying that, you know, they're fully confident that they're going to beat Scotland. But, you know, they, they don't really have the experience to make that kind of claim, I don't think. You know, they're, they're in this situation for a reason. Um, and if you've only got 10, 15 caps... You know that's still pretty uh, pretty early days in your international career to be making claims like that. So I would much rather be going up against the team, as you say, with that sort of level of experience. Gordon, they do have players that represent class clubs throughout Europe. For a start, you've got Luka Jovic up front, plays for Real Madrid. And look, he's not a starter for Real Madrid, but you have to be of significant level to get there in the first place. Not too many caps, mind you, for Luka Jovic. He's only 22, but only capped eight times. You then look at Marko Grujic, um, who's got seven caps, plays for Porto. Milinkovic Savic, 18 caps. He's Lazio centre midfielder. Uh, there's a couple of players who will be missing for Serba. You've got Filip Juricic, who is a Sassuolo midfielder uh, based in Italy, who has nearly 30 caps, four goals. He has coronavirus. Adam Lejajic is nearly 50 caps and nine goals. Besiktas midfielder, he's not in the squad. 
Nemanja Matic retired recently, so there are three very experienced players that, that won't be involved in Serbia's midfield. Perhaps that's why there are players here from clubs like Olympiacos and Montpellier that are kind of on the fringes um, who are being called up. Um, so if you look at the defence as well, you've got Kolarov who will reach 100 caps at some point over the next couple of months. Apart from that, there there aren't too many caps. They have one of their main defenders uh, who's been told by Werder Bremen, you cannot be involved in this. That's Milos Velkovic. Uh, not too many caps, but reading up on him earlier today, I gathered that he is a first choice pick for them at the moment. So Milos Velkovic is withdrawn because of club instructions at Werder Bremen. So you've got Kolarov with a shitload of caps, 94. And then after that, you've got Nikola Milenkovic, Stefan Mitrovic, Filip Mladenovic, who do not have too many, certainly not many more than the players we were talking about earlier that are trying to work their way into Steve Clark starting 11. So, Gordon, the inexperience might just fall in our favour if we can get in their faces. Yeah, definitely. Look, this is... They're a good side. Of course they are. I mean, you can't get to this stage of, of almost qualifying for a tournament without being a good side. Um, you're right, they've got some standout, really good players. I mean, their form their form's fairly spotty, to be honest. I mean, you look at their, their results in 2020, you know, they've, they've lost 3-1 to Russia in the Nations League. Well, we can empathise with that one. Drew a Turkey 0-0. They then got past Norway in their playoff semi-final. Of course, that went to extra time. That's a, obviously an impressive result. Followed that up by losing to Hungary and then drawing to Turkey, throwing away a two-goal lead. So, I mean, they can be got at. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely certain they can be got at. I mean, I'm, I'm under no illusions that Scotland can certainly lose this game. We're both, we're all three of us, we're old enough and ugly enough that we've, we've seen Scotland lose plenty of games. We're not going to get ahead of ourselves. But... We've got a good side as well. Um, I don't know if you guys know the guy um, who runs the account called Alba Matter. On he's got a website and Twitter. He wrote an article just after our playoff semi-final that was sort of from a Serbian perspective, looking at the Scotland team, and it was a bit tongue-in-cheek. But he makes good points that they'll be looking at us and thinking, okay, well they've got a left wing back who plays for, won the Champions League, Premier League champion, Club World Cup, a guy playing for Arsenal, a centre-back playing for Man United, you know, League United captain. I mean, we've got a lot of threats as well, you know. I mean, I'm excited. I'm really excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, look, I'm actually looking at their recent results now, Gordon. They, they, do, they don't tend to keep too many clean sheets. Not, not many at all. Over the last seven games, eight games, only one in their last eight games, um, Luxembourg scored twice against them, 3-2. Serbia won that game, and that that included a team with Milivojevic, Milinkovic, Savic, Tadic, Mitrovic, Lijajic, just all the itches. So, I mean, if Luxembourg can score twice over there, then I like to think that maybe we could do some damage. But, you know, this is dangerous territory to get into, to to start hypothesising about how many we might score. I mean, first of all, we need to, to keep them out at the other end but that's where we have made real progress and I suppose that uh, marries up with your point about keeping a same back three or as with Tierney coming back in but keeping Gallagher and McTominay alongside each other um, after doing such a good job against the Czechs and Slovakia now, have to, Gordon, they've not even faced Super John McGinn yet so yeah. <laughs> and I- Ireland I've just seen here Ireland got a a stinky draw over there as well in the not too distant past so that reassures me a bit as well uh yes so gordon you wrote a really good 
article, or I think you're just drip feeding it slowly onto Twitter about the the nearly moments over the the past couple of years. It's quite quite a, a crazy thought now that this that the, these ghosts could all be banished uh, a week from now. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it was a lot of fun writing that piece for the Tartan Scarf and looking back at every qualifying campaign that we've had since France 98 World Cup and so many memories, some good, some not so good. Um, but you're right. I mean, in that entire period, it's been such a long time. We've come to this place three times in terms of being 90 minutes away from qualifying for a tournament, ending the run, getting the monkey off the back. And that's, you've got playoff in 2000 against England, You've got um, playoff for Euro 2004 against the Netherlands, and then obviously the final game in Euro 2008 qualifying when we had Italy at home to qualify. Now, whatever Serbia are, and we've we've spoken about their strengths, they've spoken about their good players, whatever they are, they're not England, they're not the Netherlands, and they're not reigning world champions Italy. So this is absolutely, undoubtedly, the best chance we've had in 22 years to end that run. Benjamin, how do you reflect? Yeah, I would certainly agree with that. I think this is our best, our best. It's definitely our best chance on paper. But I would also say the way this team is set up, it's also our best chance to cause an upset because it's always going to be an upset for us to win this game. But the way that we're, we're set up, so defensive, but with such threat on the counter attack, that's how you win these kind of games, and that's what how Clark's made his career, and he's maybe honed that alongside Mourinho at Chelsea and at other clubs. Um, this, this system is almost built for us to cause the upset that we need to qualify. So there is that part of me that really thinks this could really be the one. And Gordon, you are envisaging some sort of floodgate scenario here where if we can get this over the line, then the emotional baggage and pressure is lifted and it should become easier in the future to get the job over the line rather than have situations where Poland are scoring against us in the last minute or we need to beat Holland at Hamden and Kenny Miller misses this a turn. We're having to, you know, claw it back um, when things aren't in our favour. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's there's so many examples that you could cite. I mean, close to home. I mean, just think about every single player who ever signed for Hibs in the last hundred years. They all got the question about, so you're going to win. Are you going to win the Scottish Cup this year? Do you know it's 114 years since you last won the Scottish Cup? And every player had to carry that, as you said, the emotional baggage when they stepped on the pitch for Hibs in the Scottish Cup. Same thing with Andy Murray going to Wimbledon as the British hope to win a men's singles title when that hadn't happened for 50, 60 years. You know, it wasn't fair that he had to carry that baggage, but that's life. And the Scotland players, I feel in recent years, they have been carrying that. And as soon as they can let that go, it will be such a relief. And I think you look at the Scotland women's national team for inspiration as well. I mean, they obviously haven't been playing as long as the men's team have for reasons that we don't want to go into right now. But as soon as they qualify for the first tournament, lo and behold, they qualify for the next one. And they're they're pretty much on track to qualify for three in a row. So, I mean, what an inspiration that is. And I, I do genuinely think that we do it this time and if we can follow it up, as we spoke last time, with winning our Nations League group and all the benefits that could bring, that could massively set us on the track to the World Cup and then to the Euros in 2024 as well. I mean, to think that this next week could have a massive bearing on our next four years is is exciting, it's nerve-wracking, but that, that's what it is. We have to embrace that. 
What, what will you be doing for the, the game, gentlemen? Maybe a bit of a silly question given the circumstances of the world at the moment, but will it just be sitting in or do you, do you have anyone you can watch with? Yeah, it's just going to be in the flat, which is such a shame. I think we would we would certainly have been trying to get tickets. We would have been, you know, me and my brother said we would have probably have gone even if we couldn't get tickets and just been been there because you can imagine the, the evening that you would have had afterwards had we actually qualified from it. So it, it, that's the, the only sore point is that we just... Just imagine the Tartan Army in that city. If, if we had qualified, it's a real shame that, that that moment we waited for so long, it'll all be experienced in our own front rooms instead of with everyone that we should be with. But, hey, it's a small trade-off uh, if it means that we get to the tournament. Absolutely. And UEFA did confirm in the last day or so that the, the 12-city tournament is still on track to, to go ahead. There was... A bit of there were a few murmurs that it would be switched to Russia just to make things easier, but UEFA swatted that away, Gordon, didn't they? They did. Um, although <laughs> part of me in the back of my mind almost thinks that if it was in Russia, that would then give you the big tournament feel, which I feel mm. like this tournament next summer will be lacking. I mean, if it, if it goes ahead as planned and if fans can go to the games, I mean, we've all been to plenty of Scotland games at Hamden, so admittedly this would be in our finals, but it's still a Scotland game at Hamden, so. It, the concept was always going to feel a bit alien to the, the standard big summer tournament where everyone gets to travel to the same place. So, But let's get there. Let's get there, and then I'll complain about being there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Well, we'll call it a day at that and just hope that the next time we're doing a podcast, maybe we'll, we'll still be drunk from the night before. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> All right, gents. See you later. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Sports Social Podcast Network.